Greetings, A's fans, and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie, and I am joined by my co-host, Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week, we watched Moneyball, the true story of Oakland A's legend, Jeremy Giambi. So, uh, this was my pick, as has been the pattern with the sports movies, of which we've done two. Uh, <laughs> the other one of which was Major League, which is kind of the same movie as Moneyball, but a comedy. But we'll get to that later. So, it was my pick. I'm going to recap it real quick. So, Moneyball is based on a true story of Billy Bean, who was and still is to this day the general manager of the Oakland A's. But this is set at the end of the 2001 Major League Baseball season into 2002. Uh, And essentially, the A's have no money because their ownership isn't as absurdly wealthy as, like, you know, the Yankees or something still absurdly wealthy. They're still billionaires, but you know, not, not as billionaire, uh, which is still the case to this day, by the way, we'll get to that later. Uh, but Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, the general manager who wants to build a more competitive team, but is having trouble doing it after losing to the Yankees in the national or American league championship series and loses essentially the core of the roster, but can't get any more money from ownership to build a better team. So he goes out, talks to some people, finds Peter Brand, which is not a real person. We'll uh, talk about that later, too. Played by Jonah Hill, math nerd, stats guy, who helps him analyze baseball stats in a different way in order to build a successful team on a budget. And then they do, and it goes on to actually essentially revolutionize the way that baseball teams are built. which is interesting because that's kind of the point of this movie is did all of this matter even if they didn't win the World Series because they don't win the World Series and they still haven't won a World Series. But it did matter because baseball is completely different now in how it's managed. So Moneyball. Why did I pick Moneyball? Uh, a, I haven't seen it and I've heard it's really good. And it, I thought it was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's not like, I don't know. It's not the best movie I've seen in the last three or four months, but it's still good. And I've been thinking a lot about sports and sports management lately with the NBA draft and free agency going on in the last couple of weeks. And I'm a nerd and I think that stuff is interesting and I want to talk about it and I want to make my friends talk about it. So this is how I'm going to force them to listen to me talk about sports management. Welcome to my web. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, what I would like to start off with is a general reactions from the perspective of uh, if it's, you know, perhaps you haven't listened to our one other sports movie episode that we did a year ago recently, <laughs> uh, just to lay the, the groundwork here. Me, sports nerd, I watch them all a lot. Uh, Park, sports guy, likes the sports, watches them sometimes. Will doesn't care. Generally speaking, um, generally, I, I, I maybe I should clarify. I like sports fine enough. Like if I go to a game, I usually have fun. I've played most of them, all the, all the important ones, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know what's going on. I just like, don't really follow any teams. Yeah. You're, you're not the guy in the corner at the party doing the, like, they don't know that I hate sports. And then everyone is like, yes, we do. You talk about it all the time. It's your whole personality. That meme. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I i try to avoid that i'm sure i was that at some point in my life but like i i, I, I so. try to oh well, like going to sporting events is like fun it's a good time mm-hmm. yeah like i don't know like rooting for a team like i i have had the experience and enjoy it of like getting caught up in rooting for some team right that's always a good time getting caught mm-hmm. up in the tribalism of sports is a lot of fun yeah, I don't know. I, I think, like, pretty much literally anyone can yeah. <laughs> get into that, right? Um, I, I guess, like, I don't know. I, I don't, like, go out of my way to, like, seek that out. And, like, I don't have cable, so it's too much of a hurdle for me to, like, go follow a team. Yeah. I also did just notice something. We're, we are four weeks off from this actually being exactly a year after uh, Major League. Oh, that's funny. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Our yearly sports episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, okay, with that context, though, of sports fandom levels 
So I really liked this movie, and Park, you mentioned off mic earlier that you also thought this is a really good movie, right? Yeah. So will the person who is the least sports dork here your general reactions to Moneyball, please? It was fine. I, I, I think the thing it is an incredibly like well crafted movie all around a like relatively uninteresting story. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like if you made a like a whole like drama around a guy like buying an Arby's franchise, <laughs> it you know just like <laughs> or someone like. I don't know, like inventing a, a, a new type of like one of those scooters that you can like rent with your phone, like it, <laughs> like a new way to do that. Right. It's like, yeah, they did something like new and like interesting, but, and maybe a lot of this is like hindsight that like everything they're doing seems like incredibly obvious, even to like a lay person. And mm. I, I think part of that is just like in 2021, I feel like we assume that everything is like done through an algorithm. Yeah. Now you know, and mm-hmm. that like is so not special. So, and like, I get it. It was like very special in 2001 to do that, but it's just like, okay, like, yeah, you, someone probably should have been doing this math like a long time ago, but like watching them like struggle to figure this out is just like, wasn't, that wasn't what was engaging about the movie to me. Like the engaging stuff was just like the, like, uh, the acting and like they did a solid it's just like all around like like it's like it's well made you know so mm-hmm. like you get excited when the team is winning you get sad when the team is losing they're good at even if like i don't care about the <laughs> oakland a's right but they got me to care about them but all, uh, uh, i don't know i think you really have to find what they're doing to be like very interesting to like think that to like have a super good time i could be off base with that but that's kind of how i felt i think that's fair because i think yeah. what they're doing is super interesting and i really liked this movie i'm not gonna like watch it again anytime soon but like i really enjoyed it i i enjoyed it from like just the statistical point of view of like i i i guess didn't really think it was that obvious from like first off of looking at baseball players as statistics more so just more so than like you know, their skill that you, I mean, what, like, you know, your heavy hitters, your people who do hit home runs kind of thing. I I guess like the, the decision to look at things just solely based on numbers, even if they're not the most impressive looking player, I found to be very interesting because it's not something that I've ever really thought about for baseball or sports in general. I don't know where I like heard about the, baseball math nerds but that's just something that has like been in my head for a while for whatever it was probably me (laughs) yeah probably charlie i'm just like hearing that like baseball is for like type of people that are like brad pitt's character who like still (laughs) chew dip in their 40s and drive like sixty thousand dollar pickup trucks and like just are like super into it and then there's like math nerds right Mm -hmm. uh because for some reason baseball is like compared to other sports like you can really kind of get it down to like a numbers game i feel like yeah i would argue you'd have a harder time building like a soccer team or like a football team with math like you still probably could and people i'm sure are but like baseball I kind of get how you can really just get, like, the math down. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but, like, can most people kind of just, like, field the same outside of, like, pitchers and, like, maybe first baseman? But I imagine that's, like, the easier part of the game is the fielding and then, like, the hitting is, like, where the the stats really matter because that's what they focused on in the movie. And that just feels sort of intuitive to me, but it could be off. I think, generally speaking, that's the case. There are people that have good and bad defense, but if you look at the way teams are constructed, they definitely prioritize the offense most of the time. For example, the Braves with Marcelo Zuna, which is, that's kind of a weird thing right now because he was in jail and then the Chargers got dropped. But uh, um, he is... You really make it weird bringing it up. (laughs) I mean, oh, I, listen, 
that's <laughs> topical at the moment. I'm just saying. Is that that? Anyways, point being, horrible, horrible defense. No arm. Plays left field. Cannot beat. Uh, he he's not making a throw that's stopping a sacrifice fly from scoring or anything, but he's a really good hitter. So they kept him on the team. Last year they had designated hitter because COVID rules. This year they didn't. They still kept him around. He was not hitting very well, but statistically speaking, it should have been a good decision until he went to jail. Uh, so you know, what happens with that remains to be seen. But that is the situation at the moment. But yeah, I it is I I think baseball is the one that is the most boiled down to the number because of how hitting works. Because despite the fact that there are, you know, many different positions in baseball and people have different roles and they do different things, everybody on the team unless you're in the American League and you have designated hitter has to hit they got to do the same thing and they got to do it against the same guys and they got to do it over and over. And the sample size is so huge that you can actually get meaningful data. And one of the things that data tells you is that on base percentage is arguably the most important stat for a hitter. Doesn't matter how they get on base. If they're on base, then they're an extra run that can be scored. And if they can hit a home run, that is better than hitting anything else. (laughs) And that's where you get more modern stats now that it's, you know, 2021, like your uh, on-base plus slugging percentages. So, like, when they do get a hit, how many bases is that hit worth on average, yada, yada. There's this whole thing, like I, <laughs> like we said, this movie, that the idea had been around for a long time, which they talked about in the movie uh, with the, I can't remember the name of the guy or the book, but there's a guy who wrote a book in the 70s about, essentially this and was like look people need to be looking at all of this math is and he building the, guy, the baseball team around that is he the guy who they mentioned who was like a security guard at like a pig slaughtering factory yeah right so nobody nobody listened to him but the thing is he was <laughs> right and eventually somebody got somebody to listen and that is the story of this movie right and that that happens in every sport at some point it's same like look at basketball People shooting a crap load of threes in the last few years, right? This has become a thing in the post-Steph Curry era. People are like, oh, the game is changing. But, like, the math didn't change. Being able to make more than a third of your threes was always better than making less than half of your twos. (laughs) Because that's just how numbers work. But it took forever for somebody to, like, get people to listen and actually let them do it. It's just how math works. It is. <laughs> Which I guess it is maybe is it makes sense that like baseball is one of the first to have this happen because it is such like a static game. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine. I, I feel like you'd have a much harder time, even though like maybe like the rules of soccer are like more simple. Right. But like defining what's going on moment to moment in a game where there's, you know, one person scores. <laughs> yeah. Under, you know, like there's not nearly as many goals happening. It's a lot of just like positioning and like, you know, like beating people <laughs> and you, like pass it. How do you, I don't know, like defining that would be a lot harder. Yeah, than, like, exactly. The there's... pitch went here and then he missed it or he hit it or he walked, you know, like. Yeah, because. There's in... no movement outside of the pitcher and the batter. Yeah, whatever stat you have in soccer necessarily doesn't tell the whole story right because if it's like oh this guy takes x shots per game and makes x percent of them that doesn't say anything about like the quality of the shots or the goalkeeper he's against and all that stuff but if you have somebody's on base percentage over the course of their career like that's just it (laughs) it's not more complicated than that because they have faced many pitchers over and over and over and this is their average against the league average pitcher effectively and with the uh with like soccer and other sports too like we've already said with baseball like you there everybody has to swing the bat in baseball it's just how it works but like in soccer not everybody is going to like necessarily have a chance to score. Like you still have very designated positions that the players fit into and that's what they do. Yeah. And that's where like soccer and basketball 
have all these uh, advanced stats is a really big thing in basketball and also baseball because again baseball is for nerds um <laughs> but like soccer has expected goals as an advanced stat so it's like based on your shots and shot quality how many goals should you have scored on average and how many goals should your team's your opponent have scored on average and like you can kind of boil every game down to that and sometimes you'll score less than you should have sometimes you'll score more and it'll average out but that still doesn't really work because it's combining all of these subjective things in a way that doesn't happen with again did you get on base or not yeah well you can define an entire baseball game with like notation like yeah ball was hit here like x person made an error or did not and you know yeah out here you can two three five double play (laughs) yeah you can literally read a game (laughs) like a script right and like imagine it in your head where like you no one's taking that kind of notation down in a soccer game mm-hmm. uh, because that would be insane. Yes. <laughs> Why would you, do that? you know, and also like just talking about how baseball is a nerds game, like something I've never really thought about before as well is like, it's always the, like the, the kind of people who collect baseball cards. It was never the like major sports fans originally. It was a lot of like the the number like the stats people, the nerds, because it has all the statistics laid out on a nice little piece of paper for you. That's true. Like all the stat people are baseball card heads. <laughs> but also some of the like traditionalist boomers are also baseball card heads. True. And that's one of the interesting things about this movie. And then the modern day, right? It's like this movie is about the clash of the, you know, 1,000-year-old scouts in the, the scouting meetings talking about, like, oh, he's got a nice swing or whatever. He's like, well, why didn't he, <laughs> why didn't he get body. hit? <laughs> yeah, like all that <laughs> shit, right? But, like, his girlfriend's like still a six. Shows <laughs> low, shows <laughs> low <laughs> confidence. <laughs> that killed me. Oh, my God. Um but yeah, like that the thing is that's still going on, right? Now you have stuff like the shift, so like against players that statistically pull or put push isn't necessarily the word, but you know, hit most of their ground balls to one side of the field, which is typically a pull. So if you're a left-handed hitter, you hit them on the right side of the field towards first base or the opposite on the other side. So they'll move part of the infield over to that side so they'll have three infielders between first and second or between second and third because that's where the ball is going to go most of the time and these ancient freaking dinosaurs in the announcing booth (laughs) get so mad every single time especially when somebody like beats the shift they'll like hit one over it or hit one to the opposite field or whatever they'll be like oh shift that or whatever and i'm just like bro this is why are you so mad that people figured out a better way to play defense yeah or like <laughs> your ancient game is evolving like, right like, <laughs> like i don't know shouldn't that be interesting like oh my god there's a way to shake up the baseball meta we didn't think of like I would... exactly yeah there's a way to make this game different i would be super excited if i was a commentator for that mm-hmm. you know someone is trying something new in like one of the oldest games we still play exactly but it's just yeah like you you still hear all this talk about like oh you know you can't just make it all a number but like you kind of can but also you kind of can't which is what the despite the fact that this is a movie about like the stats revolution and the the evolution of what we now call money ball and building a team around stats and cost effectiveness because there's only one Yankees and one Dodgers. This is a movie about the romantic side of baseball, right? That's literally, I mean, they the say the it movie, like three times in the movie. Yeah. How can you not be romantic about baseball? And I see baseball people quote that all the time. They love that shit. <laughs> the stat nerds and the, the, you know, the other ones, the truck dip people and the, the boomers and the suburban dads, everybody loves that line, which is fair. Cause it's good. The truck dip people are, are, are often, they, there's a lot of overlap in the suburban boomer dads. <laughs> yes. What is the 
to me, the key ingredient is the uh, $60,000 truck that only hauls air. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's really the... <laughs> At least he's not driving, like, a lifted Ford F-250 or something in this. It looked huge. I don't know what he was driving, but... Not driving a Raptor around or something. <laughs> oh, I love pickup trucks, though. They're so cool. <laughs> oh, if I didn't live in the city. Hey, my dad My dad bought one, and honestly, his like he bought a brand new F-150, and they are like a luxury car on the inside now. They're really fucking nice. Yeah, dude. I saw this whole thing about pickup trucks, how like they are basically like they're sold at luxury car prices, and like they are built, the majority of them are built knowing that the majority of buyers aren't actually going to put anything in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting to know that, like, the people selling them kind of know that, too. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a fashion statement. For sure. But even, like, people that use them for practical purposes, they have nice-ass trucks now. Oh, when, yeah. I, when I was dating the uh, the person with the, the Midwestern farmer family when I, was, when I was out there, these people actually have farms. That is what they do for a living. They've got giant combines and all that shit and they haul things in their pickup trucks but the insides are so nice <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. i guess makes sense because you're in it a lot and my dad like the only thing my dad's ever really hauled around in, in his truck is like a load of gravel or a load of firewood but my brother who literally uses his to tow the boats he's selling up and down florida's uh gulf coastline it's, it, I mean, it really is just like riding in a luxury SUV, like the back seat of the truck, which in the past, the back seat of a truck was like the worst place to be. Your knees are in your chest. It's like you, you've got all the space in the world back there. It's wild. <laughs> but I guess enough about trucks and uh, back to baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's truck. It's truck. Month. It's, it's truck. Month. T -t -t Toyota truck. Month. Truck cut. Oh, God, if only I had a freaking truck horn sample. <laughs> there it is. Oh, the fuck That's what I want my truck to sound like. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, the movie. So we've talked about baseball a lot and sports. One thing I want to talk about more on a movie front is the way that the, the story of the movie is constructed in the climax and how based on a true story movies would do these things, right? Because they, is, like we said, they don't win the world series in 2002 and they still haven't won one. Last one they won was in the seventies. Billy beat is still there. He's still the general manager. They still haven't won a world series embracing this philosophy uh, because well, it turns out the teams that actually have a lot of money do the same thing now. Uh, thanks for thanks for testing this out for us, idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna steal that now that you've ironed out all the issues. Which is yeah, I mean, and that's like the end of the movie, right? With getting the offer from the Red Sox, they're like, we're gonna do the same thing, but actually spend money. And then they did, and then they won the World Series. <laughs> it <Yeah>. works. <laughs> um, but the A is. Again, did not win the World Series. What they did do is go on a 20-game win streak, which at the time was the longest uh, win streak in American League history. It was broken in 2017 by the Cleveland Indians. They won 22 in a row. Now going to be the Cleveland Guardians, by the way. Changing the name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, dude, it's because we did our <laughs> we did our episode just ragging on them. Yeah, they the heard us making fun episode. of it. They heard they were like those boys in jump cuts really, really roasted. Us. We got him good. <laughs> Even in this movie, when he's sitting in the the uh, the Cleveland oh office God, and the, the giant chief uh, Wahoo on the wall, I was like, mm, oh no, oh my God! <laughs> it's Even the so name, bad. I can't. The name he is literally red. Oh God, it's a caricature. It's so bad, dude. It's really, it's really so not cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this distracted me from what I was the point I was trying to make here. Oh yeah, okay. They went on a twenty game win streak, and that's sort of the climax of the movie is game number twenty in the streak. Uh, so they've been they start the year bad. 
can't get the manager played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, Art Howe, to do what he wants to do and play these guys that he brought in because they get on base. They, they're <laughs> bad on defense. They may not be great hitters, but they have good on-base percentage. Um, but the coach is Boomer, and he won't play him. So then he trades away all the people he's playing over the guys he told them to play so that he has to play these guys. And lo and behold, it works. They put things together. They go on a 20-game win streak. And that's the climax of the movie. Hooray. Which is interesting to me because, and again, this is sort of one of the points of the movie, but real life doesn't always have the climax that you put in the movie, right? Because normally if this, if you're writing this as a fictional movie, that they win the World Series, right? That's how the movie ends. Yeah. That doesn't always happen in real life. But sometimes you do go on a 20-game win streak. And I think it's interesting how movies, based on real life, pick out these things and sort of construct a traditional story curve with a rising action and a climax and a denouement or whatever the hell it's called. I don't know. I'm a writer. Nobody knows this, but it's not important. Uh, (laughs) But, like, it it, it did kind of, like, if you're paying attention to, like, that angle of the movie, you will kind of know... Or if you remember the year 2002, uh, uh, <laughs> you'll be like, oh, they're not winning the World Series. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know if you even really would have set it up if you were trying to make this fictional that they win the World Series because they didn't even do that with um, with Major League. They just That's win, true. I thought about the that when I was saying that. it's uh, Baseball people are just weird, man. If it wasn't. A they're, they're afraid movie. of asking for too much, like a more interesting game. <laughs> <laughs> if it was any other sport, they would win it all at the end <laughs> in this movie that is fictional. But this is not a fictional movie. This is real life. This really happened. Um, Everything really happened. He yeah. really threw that cooler in the locker. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I wonder how many of those things... Because there's also there was a book first called Moneyball, which was a non-fiction book about how they built this team and about uh, Billy Bean, and I'm going to look up the, the guy's real name. I'm going to remind myself. Uh, you about Michael Paul, Lewis? No, Paul De Podesta. Oh. Is, so that's who uh, Jonah Hill's character, Peter Brand, is based on Paul De Podesta, who was in the Cleveland front office, hired away to Oakland became the general manager of the Dodgers, led the Dodgers to their first playoff win in 15 years. And then next year, their worst record in 20 years. And then they fired him. (laughs) Uh, And now he's the president of football operations for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Which, uh, hey, hey, man, the Browns (laughs) were in the playoffs last year, so. (laughs) I guess that's true. Yeah. Can we we talk about how just fucked jonah hill's character gets at the end though like i know that Does billy he? bean doesn't take the offer from the red Sox, but like the only reason that billy is where he is is because of peter brand's whole like statistical analysis and software and then he gets the 12.5 million dollar offer from the red Sox, and uh, jonah hill's character is just like well that'd make you the highest paid gm in any sport <laughs> And he's just like, all right, yeah, I'll call you. Just leaving him. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought he was going to take him to... Ha- not knowing the history, I really thought he was going to take that deal. The movie kind of did, like, it... I think it unintentionally did a little bait and switch on me. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I thought that, too. I didn't know that he is, again, still the manager of the A's 20 years <laughs> later. The, or the yeah. general manager of the A's 20 years later. So, yeah, I was in there. I was like, oh, so... Because in the back of my head, I was like, didn't the Red Sox win a World Series like right after this? So he went there and won a World Series. Wow, that's crazy. And then that's not what he does. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to like take Jonah Hill over there because they never really establish him liking the A's ever. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if they forgot to do that or what. I still don't know why he's there in real life. I don't like, I guess uh, to be like near his daughter, but if you have $12 million, just get a plane, just fly. there. (laughs) Like it didn't seem like he was hanging out with her every day. Yeah. 
but no, because like the whole movie, he seemed like he just all the all like uh, Billy Bass or whatever the fuck his name, is, <laughs> whatever his stupid name is, Billy Bass. Uh, <laughs> That's singing fish you mount on your wall. Dude, I couldn't... Uh, baseball is the only sport that would have be revolutionized by a guy named Billy Bean. That's absurd. <laughs> That's fair. That's a funny name. But, like... Okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, like, all he wanted to do was, like, spend time with his daughter uh, and, like win he just wanted to win a world series right Mm -hmm. which like that's fine that's you know that's most people in baseball right they want to win games like he's not i don't think he's from like oakland like he like he played for them right but like not (laughs) they weren't his first choice uh and like the people and like the i mean the the owners don't care about him he doesn't have enough money all he does is complain the whole time about (laughs) like being there Right. And like, then he gets this offer that solves all of those problems. And like, <laughs> he literally could have won a World Series if he'd just taken it. But then he like has this allegiance. And like, I guess the movie really did have the angle of like to be close to his daughter, I guess, which like, that's fair and everything. But yeah. it still kind of, it, it, it like surprised me a little bit because. I don't know. I'm not sure what the character wanted <laughs> that bad. Uh, like, because I guess he didn't want to win a World Series, or he wanted to specifically. He like liked being the un- the underdog for whatever reason. I guess it's maybe a part of it. He liked not having any money, even though he said he hated not having yeah. any money. He's just he's romantic about baseball. He wants to do yeah. it there, right? And wa- wants to take what he built and the foundation he created, and carry that forward and win one there. Not not just chase the money and do it that way. And be mediocre so. for all of eternity. Oh. <laughs> Which the A's have had some decent playoff runs since then, but they, uh, again, they haven't won a World Series. I think they made one at some point. I'm not 100% sure. Um, But they're just, I mean, like, like every team that is financially limited, they're up and down. Oh. Huh. Speaking of the Oakland A's and the Cleveland Indians, they're actually currently playing right now. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was clever the way they did the like climax of the movie, like kind of like it, it did it tied into the themes weirdly well. I don't know how intentional it was because, like, so like the the concept of a streak of wins is like almost statistically meaningless. Like it doesn't matter in the long term stats wise right Mm -hmm. Uh, which is very funny that like this whole movie that like about them like introducing statistics to this like they did not go on this 20 win streak because they started doing the money ball thing right yeah that that is not why right it was that was part of it but it wasn't the only reason right like it's not it's it was just interesting having like that be the like the climax of this movie when like the whole thing is sort of butting heads with like, you have the, the old guys who they, they, they do a good job of getting into the superstition to baseball too, with like where a lot of these like old guys are very superstitious. And there's like the way that they always do things. Even like Billy Bean is super superstitious about not ever watching the games himself. Right. Like mm-hmm. he says he does it to not connect with the players, but he clearly has like a, a th- it's a thing for him, like a ritual yeah. he does, right? Uh, he doesn't want to jinx it. He, he doesn't want to jinx it, uh, and he gets like way too into it. I guess it's also like clearly like an emotional defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he almost, in his head, like you know, almost jinxes it, right? Like he comes back at the very end, and they almost lose. They, that I, I thought like thematically was like very interesting. That like all the the guy who's pushing the stats. Thing the most is like one of the most superstitious guys ever and like their whole operation ends in like oh my god you guys got the win streak mm-hmm. <laughs> you know amazing it, you flipped a coin and it came up heads 20 times in a row right so i was just looking at some oakland athletic stats so the last world series they won was 89 
Um, oh, that's more recent than I thought. I don't know why yeah. I thought it was the 70s. Well, they won several in the 70s. So they won in 74, or 72, 73, 74, and 89. Um, but also, Billy Bean is no longer the general manager. He is now the... He's the president of baseball operations, right? Yeah, he's the executive vice president of baseball operations and minority owner of yeah. the A's. He's higher than the general manager, but he's still he's still there. He's still there. He, yeah. he has not left. You know, I didn't consider maybe his really maybe his reaction was like, "You cannot pay me enough to move to Boston. I am That's staying in California." Fair. That is fair. <laughs> Which I understand. Oh, I would man. much rather be in California than in Boston. I'd do it for twelve and a half million dollars, but if I already so had I, millions but... of dollars, I would think about it. <laughs> Granted, I guess he clearly doesn't have millions of dollars because he works for a broke team and made no money as a player. So, also, what the fuck does his ex-wife's husband do, or what does his ex-wife do to have that massive goddamn house on the beach? It's a great question. <laughs> no idea. They do not explain that. Which, frankly, they don't need to. It's no, not they important. don't. It was just like. <laughs> It, it was it was very interesting. That house was like distractingly beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I when like, he oh walked God. into it, I was like, "Are they about to do a thing where it's like, oh my fucking ex wife taking all my money, got her nice house and her new boyfriend?" I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have been awful. Yeah, I was really worried for a second. It's just, I'm not even sure. I'll be honest, I lost some... I didn't pay as much attention to a lot of the family stuff. It was really boring. That's <laughs> fair. Yeah, I mean, I... The 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 daughter thing is, like, I guess a nice grounding human element, but I was like, go back to the baseball. Yeah. But all, all I know is that the, the ex-wife's new husband or whatever is wearing pants and Birkenstock, so he's probably, like, some kind of life coach who makes way more money than he deserves. Probably. True. Not like a real baseball player who makes all the money he's <laughs> playing sports. I do think, though, that like the emotional core of the movie works fine without the family stuff. They really could just take that out, and then the movie would be shorter. That's my biggest complaint. The movie was two hours and 13 minutes long. Yeah. Tight Too 90 long for people. the baseball numbers movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, there's a full season to get through and all that, but, like, come on. That's fine. Um, they, spent, they spent half of it just, like, trading players anyway, so yeah, got to cut down on some of that. Oh, I loved that part. Yeah. <laughs> like, hell yeah. The scene of him just it, hopping from, like, manager to manager, making, like, fast deals with them. That was great. Yeah, I, I lost the plot of what was going on in that scene pretty quickly, but it was, it was still, like, it was very effective <laughs> the way mm. they did it, right? Like it's like the point wasn't really for you to like follow along exactly with what's happening. But yeah. it, it honestly kind of reminded me of I know we've talked about South Park in the past when we did the movie, but the South Park episode where Eric Cartman is trying to sell uh, aborted fetuses and he's just like getting on and off the phone with different people. And is like, come on, you're busting my balls here. <laughs> oh my I do not remember that. <laughs> I remember that either. But I believe you. <laughs> Yeah, that scene did a good job, sort of establishing why like Billy Bean mattered in this because for, for the first half or so of the movie, I spent a lot of time thinking like, well, Jonah Hill's the whole star here. What does mm -hmm. Billy Bean do? But exactly. it's like okay, like Jonah Hill doesn't have like the people skills or the connections to like actually make these trades happen and like apply these stats into like actually putting the team together. Yeah, right? and that's what. That's what Billy Bean does. Yeah. So. And that's where, again, <clears throat> it's the movie making its point of like all this stat stuff matters and they revolutionize it and that's great. But the the emotional, not emotional, but the, the personal aspect of baseball still matters. That's one of the trades he makes is getting rid of Jeremy Giambi. So the guy they bring in who's the star that they lost, younger brother, known partier maybe not great off field guy but he gets on base and Jonah Hill's telling him no you can't you can't trade him what are you doing don't get rid of that guy and he still does it because he's causing problems in the locker room right mm -hmm. 
And from that point of the movie, he starts, that's sort of when he starts to interact with the players more and go against his earlier stance of like, don't get close to them so that you can cut them when you have to. And that helps because the reality is that stuff does matter because some component of what is reflected on the field as your on base percentage is your mental, right? That, that is important. Got to be in a good headspace. Got to not feel like your team is suddenly cutting half of its players based off of some weird scheme that a Yale graduate has come up with. (laughs) (laughs) Can't, don't want to let people know that that's happening. Yeah. And at the same time, like now that the, the stat stuff is more out there and accepted, it can sort of be used in that manner in a helpful way. Like there was a whole thing earlier this season with the Braves with, Freddie Freeman was batting like 180, just could not buy a hit except for the occasional home run. But his exit velocity was fantastic. So he was hitting the crap out of the ball. He was just hitting it straight at people for like two months straight. So, you know, he talked about that after he sort of came out of the slump. There was an article in an interview. He was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it's hard not to look at yourself hitting 180 and be like, wow, I'm playing like playing like shit, but I just had to look at like, okay, I'm hitting the ball hard. I'm hitting it. Well, I just keep getting unlucky and hitting it straight at people. And eventually that will stop happening. And that helped me, you know, keep a good frame of mind until I broke out of it. And now he's been playing out of his freaking mind for the last couple of months. But I don't know. All that again. This uh, I picked this movie so I can go on these tangents because I love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Charlie gets off on. Huh. This also, we brought this up earlier with like other teams doing the same thing, but with more money now. There are also teams that don't have money still doing the same thing, like Tampa Bay Rays last year. Team with no money put together a pretty daggum good roster of guys that they picked up off the scrap heap who turned into a really good team, made the World Series, and their $42 million payroll or whatever is up against the Dodgers' $215 million, and they lost to the Dodgers in the World Series. <laughs> Money always wins, baby. Because <laughs> yeah, the Dodgers are also doing the same thing, but with the money to get the actual superstars on top of these other guys. Ooh. But, uh, but does like baseball said, have a salary cap like other sports are like have or are implementing or is it no, just there's like, a, so there's a luxury tax threshold. Gotcha. Um, but that's it. And I mean, some, I don't know, no, I think there's like a repeater penalty and like the longer you stay in the luxury tax, the higher it gets. So you can't just do it forever, but good teams Teams with money stay right up against it, and then when they get to where they have a roster they feel like can compete, they'll just go over for a few years and win. <clears throat> and the NBA has the same thing. They have there's like a soft cap, and then there's a luxury tax threshold above the soft cap, and then there's a hard cap. It's a little more complicated, but same same deal. Teams with money are always well. No, the NBA is yeah, okay. I'm not gonna do this tangent right now, but it's more complicated (laughs) than the NBA. (laughs) That's why the NFL has, I mean, aside from Tom Brady playing in 50% of the Super Bowls for the last 20 years, which is insane. They have a lot of parody because there's just a hard salary cap. And that salary cap is based on what is the NFL's TV revenue every year. So every team gets that amount of money and they spend all of it every year (laughs) because there's no reason not to. Um, and you don't have that in baseball because if you want to go over what you get from your revenue deal, you got to do it yourself with your team's revenue. Um, individual revenue, not national TV deal. Yeah. How messed up is the way trading works? Just trading That's people true. like so commodities. Just tell someone, like, you live in Florida now. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> it is funny for how, like, strong the the baseball players union is by far the most powerful in sports and it's the reason there's no hard salary cap but even with that still like yeah they could just send you somewhere else yeah 
I mean, crazy like, how that works. Like any any like major league. What am I trying to say? I almost said like sports person, uh, athlete. Any major league athlete can just be traded like a commodity. Yeah, it's. There's a lot of lines that can be drawn to American America's past with this, but (laughs) um, it's not even America specific though. Like if you look at international soccer, the way that that's done, it's even you just you. It's not trades. You could just sell contracts. You just sell your good player to some team in Europe that has more money, and that's how teams make a profit is by developing talent and then flipping it. Well, that's that's exactly what he says with uh, whoever the player is he's trying to pick up. He's like, I'll pay for him now, but I get to keep, you know, the profit when I sell him for double next year. Yeah, exactly. But like it, it's so strange that that's like the standard because I feel like an out any like outsider looking in, like if you didn't know anything about sports and you saw this happening, you'd be like, that's fucked up. Yeah, right. right. Same with like, <laughs> like the draft. That is an America specific thing. Where it's just like this is the team you play for now. Have fun. <laughs> you don't get to negotiate or try to, you know, find the right fit for yourself. It's just you now play for the worst team because you were the best player. <laughs> I feel like we've we've covered a lot of what I wanted to talk about in a somewhat meandering way, which is fine because that's what I planned on doing. Um, acting in this movie really good. Brad Pitt, fantastic. Great actor. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, you guys... And, and so is Philip Seymour Hoffman in this. He doesn't even play, like, that, like, front of a role. I was. I guess he is, like, a pretty major character, but he does He a is, but they don't... Yeah, they don't really do a ton with him. I don't know enough about Art Howe to be like, oh, did he nail the personality? But I assume he did. I mean, I, I assume most like, baseball managers are like that. Yeah, I honestly didn't really recognize him at first either. He just has no hair. and Yeah, me too. Yeah, it I, was weird after seeing the master. Yeah. <laughs> watching this. Yeah, the first time I saw him, I was like, who is this guy? Why does he look so familiar? I should recognize this actor. It's like, oh. Oh my god. It's Elron Hubbard. Holy shit. Yeah. It was also fun as a Braves fan when they went the the scene when they go to meet Scott Hatterberg, Chris Pratt's character, and he addresses the coach that he's with as Wash. I was like, wait, is that Ron Washington, current Braves third base head coach? That I looked it up. I was like, yeah, that that is in fact Ron Washington. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Not I mean it's there's an it's an actor playing Ron Washington, but the character is Ron Washington. <laughs> That'd be funny if he played himself, but 10 years earlier, though, at the time. He was a little busy winning World Series with the Rangers. I th- I mean, yeah, I think it kind of just sums itself up at the end, right? How can you not be romantic about baseball? And the answer is if you don't care about baseball. But if you do, <laughs> <laughs> like, I of, of the sports, I watch football, basketball, soccer, baseball. Baseball is like... A pretty comfortable number four, probably. But still, like, (laughs) last year when the Braves were in the National League Championship Series, and I was sitting here in quarantine, nothing to do, staying up late for two weeks every other night, watching that insane seven-game series with the Dodgers, which they lost. And it was just, like... Through all the quarantine, the highest my anxiety levels ever were was watching this freaking team play baseball and blow a 3-1 lead and it drove me insane. But, like, <laughs> I have very positive memories of just staying up late with my dad, watching the Braves try to get to the World Series, right? How can you not be a little romantic about that? Watch, so. Watching Atlanta struggle against fate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, dude, as soon this is this okay. This is what we're gonna end on before we get into our standard outro. Romantic in a bad way. We got to three <laughs> one, and some stupid motherfucker tweets teams in the National League Championship Series who take a three one lead are twenty eight three all time. I was I, like, I I'm going to scream. <laughs> I remember seeing that tweet. <laughs> As soon as I saw that, I was like, it's over. We're blowing this. We're not going to win. It's, it's done. done. 
the curse <laughs> whatever whatever atlanta did to gain this curse which i mean it could there's a long list of things that have happened yeah. in atlanta that could have caused it um it has that debt has not been paid yet clearly apparently not every time i think it's it's over it's not i think atlanta united winning that one time extended it a good bit yeah that made it worse that we everyone else. We, we brought a new team in and they immediately won yeah. that wasn't the curse lifting that was just extending it further getting an extension yeah oh man did we did we lose like a city founder's body like new orleans did is that why we're cursed now probably the slavery (laughs) how to say (laughs) (laughs) we 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 buried the city founders respectfully and that's why we're cursed Yeah, I you know what I buy that. That's my new head cannon. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, this has been Chop Cuts. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. As always, new episodes every Thursday. Find us on all the stuff at Jump Cuts Pod. Uh we didn't do recommendations, but I feel like we made that pretty clear at the start when we were talking about that. So we're gonna skip it. Uh Will, where can the people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WillPostWords, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Will Johnston. And Park. You can find me on Instagram at SummerHour underscore Brewing. Me, Charlie B. Post on Twitter for video games. Uh, did I miss anything? Us, Jump Cuts Pod, show Thursdays. Oh, uh, leave a like, rating, review, download, rate, uh, whatever you choose on apple podcast because we're not supposed to tell you to rate it five stars uh yeah subscribe i don't know all that stuff press buttons and we'll see you next time (laughs) hit every button on your keyboard right now (laughs) just just smash your face into it i don't know do tell most people listen to podcasts on their phones smash your face into your phone i mean i'll I'll listen to it when i'm playing video games sometimes but that's that's, that's all yeah I do both, but we are the exception, not the rule. Anyways, Moneyball. Bye-bye.